Hello, my name is Adam Eason and welcome to episode 108 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have a full-blown tribal show lined up for you today. In a short while I'll be sharing with you this week's interview with my guest Ryan Jenkins. Then we'll have this week's hypnosis in the news stories examining the media where hypnosis has featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Ryan Jenkins will be talking all things Tumbuna. That is, we'll be discussing ancestral stories and Ryan's experiences with tribes of Papua New Guinea and how they uh, affected his, his modern day work as a hypnotherapist. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub, and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts, or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted in the episode notes section at iTunes and on each episode's page of the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments, and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook. Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please do go give us a favorable rating, even a review at iTunes. I'll be a BFF if you do. It takes just a few seconds to do so. You know what? We have thousands of people that listen to this podcast each uh, uh, each week. Just a couple of you. Um, 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 could go give us a favourable rating. It would do us a huge favour. Um, so first of all, today is this week's interview with Ryan Jenkins. So R- Ryan is someone who knew a huge amount already when I met him, um, and he's continued to be such a scholar of this and related fields. Um, 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 and 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 works where he resides now in in Barcelona today. Um, um, his background plays an important part on today's show, and it makes for such a colourful and interesting character. And I think contributes to what makes Ryan so likable and agreeable. Um, so him and I became good friends when he studied with me um, um, several years ago now, and um, I'm, you know I. I I saw him and I watched his his career, um, you know, gradually creating this incredible career for himself, starting to show up on on other podcasts. And I thought, hey, wait a minute, I'm friends with this guy. Uh, he needs to be coming on my podcast. So I made him an offer. He could not refuse. The rest is history. So let's get on with it, shall we? For now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. <music> So 
So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome the one and the only Mr. Ryan Jenkins as this week's guest. Ryan, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Hello, Adam. Hi. Um, uh, Ryan, for those, you know, I, I feel like I know you well. It's, it's a kind of, it's a bit like kind of having having a friend on the show. Well, it, you know, it, it's absolutely like that because you are somebody that I consider to be a friend. And I, I know loads about you. And I kind of worried that I'm just going to presuppose that everybody listening also knows. So, uh, tell us a bit about yourself, first of all. Tell us, how did you get into this field, what your background is, and how you've arrived at where you are now? So, Adam, um, I was, you know, I was born and raised in the South Pacific. Um, I, I'm an American citizen. And um, my parents uh, had me, and I was born and raised in, uh, in in New Guinea. And then I moved around quite a lot. I was um, uh, lived in nine countries because of my, my parents' job and my sort of propensity to keep on traveling. Um, and uh, I originally studied music. I was a professional, uh, professional musician. I, I went to the Rotterdam Conservatory. In, in Holland and um, to pursue a career as a performance uh, artist, as a, as, a, as a bass player, as a professional musician, a studio musician, and, um, and quite seriously into that. Yeah. And, um, and so in my early 20s, uh, my, I, my, my mother passed away um, during my sort of the final years of my, of my, um, of my studies, and during that per- particular period, I was I was in loads of bands. I was very arduously um, studying and practicing, and sort of giving it the the whole hog, as as um, if you will. And um, and I kind of had a I kind of had a uh, a nervous breakdown, uh, a a existential crisis yeah um that uh that really resulted in 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 a physical injury to my to my left uh to one of my fingers of my of my left hand and and during that period of quite um severe physical and, and emotional pain uh, i had already began practicing meditation um a couple of years before and 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 i had a i had a real aha moment a real moment of clarity, um, if you will, yeah. around around myself, around my my perfect purpose in life, and um, and sort of what what my priorities were, yeah, if you will, yeah, and um, and so I I went on to pursue pursue the healing of this particular condition. So I moved to I moved from Rotterdam. Um, cold, rainy Rotterdam in Holland, which is um, where I, where I lived, and and moved to Barcelona, Spain, where my where my wife is from. Yeah. Um. And. And and you're still there. And I'm still there. I'm still here. Yeah. I I I I set up set up shop, if you will. This is home for me yeah. now. Um. Currently, and so. During this period, I I started uh, I started doing rehabilitation on this hand, and um, and nothing seemed to work. Um, and and 
it was quite uh, it was quite uh, unnerving, quite a stressful situation where I wasn't able to practice or play or create music. And um, then I I had a I had a session um, a, a hypnosis session with uh, regarding stop smoking. You know, uh, I was a smoker. I was yeah. a quite heavy smoker, um, and I was relieved of this this habit almost yeah. instantaneously. And one of the things that this practitioner taught me was. Uh, was self-hypnosis, very easy self-hypnosis technique. And, um, and I found that actually quite, almost quite miraculously, this condition disappeared. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I stopped, you know, spending thousands of euros on, on, uh, physical rehabilitation and, and and so on and 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 it's never returned and yeah. so there was um I, a huge huge part of that was was stress related obviously and um and so that was that was this opening for me into into the world of um hypnosis which quite frankly i i had found to be a bit um you know a bit strange but not really much <laughs> much interest yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I had started, I had had, I had music students and, uh, and, and I was teaching, uh, I was language training, teaching uh, business English, um, to, to students. And I found that I was, I had studied, uh, some, some NLP techniques, um, for rapid learning, some, um, some techniques like the the famous spelling strategy and and different um, techniques from the field of neurolinguistics and I found these very very useful in in coaching the coaching my my students and and my sort of clients um, and what I found out was that a lot of these people had stage fright had anxiety issues, had different issues that, um, that were very much contributing to their, their performance, their, their lack of being able to sort of really step up and, and do the things that they wanted to do. And, and, and so I, I did a bunch of training, sort of uh, NLP online trainings and a bunch of uh, practitioner trainings and, um, sort of remotely and I found myself very very interested in 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 this field and um, the hip, hypnosis side of things came when when I decided for myself that you know I, this is something I really enjoyed doing I had a had a skill um, in able to sort of use ideas of suggestion and, and um, certain things with my with my clients and I decided to get trained up properly, uh, and I, I ummed and odd and I and I did a lot of research. I think I must have spent six months researching um, the different sort of um, practitioners around the world and and close yeah. to where I am, and and I settled upon uh, on, on your good self. I I, um, I found yeah. your 
training and this is when actually was when when we met was um when i first trained with you several years quite yeah, some years yeah ago. yeah 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 a, a while back now yeah and and, and so, i mean what where are you at with regards to with regards to, to hypnosis then ryan um I, i'm telling you know t- tell me a little bit about you know where you're at with hypnosis how you define it and and how you've kind of arrived at that and and, and today you know how you explain hypnosis to clients how you explain hypnosis to, to other people you know sure um you know that that uh that twenty four thousand dollar <laughs> question yeah um so my current experience my current understanding you know is hypnosis really is the process of um complete absorption in an internal based subjective experience to the point where it becomes um, a person's complete reality. So it's very much um, it, along the line of mono ideas and mm. uh, the, the Bradian conceptive um, conception rather. Um, but it's, it's an interesting thing where, you know, I generally, try not to bring in ideas of subconscious or unconscious um, processes unless someone's beliefs are so invested in that that yeah. um, that I feel that it would absolutely be uh, absolutely be a disservice to them not to use that and and then I and then I really frame it in a way that they understand what I mean by that, so as not to, um, so as not to reinforce any ideas of uh, that are sort of out of my, what I would say, ethical understanding of what that what that means. Um, so how I I remember um, prior to us beginning your course there was one of the things that you what you did was you had the, the hypnosis hub which um which was a uh i'm not sure, even sure if that's still running um, no it's not it's not no 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 we we decided to kind of move all of our discussion forums onto facebook which was just a right, lot more right. a lot more usable than people there anyway uh, but yeah sure. yeah you're right we used to have the hub and we used to send all our students there to do to read some of the threads right. um before we began and uh, and there was and lots of uh, prior former students, you know. It was it was actually really interesting. There's a really great thread um, that were there, and uh, and so I read all, on all of the various um, ideas and the various definitions, including the the Ericksonian one. The um, hypnosis is the loss of the multiplicity of the foci of attention. Yeah, which is um, a, a more hypnotic definition one cannot find <laughs> um and but you know it's it's um so i absolutely tried on many different definitions and played around with as many as 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 i could and yeah. to really um not buy into any um any particular system because one of my main my main things in life is really try it don't knock it till you try it um so really 
experimenting and, and making and, and, and really making, um, how can I say, really making a, a very clear delineation between what is my direct experience and, and what is, you know, what is sort of um, something that I've learned. And yeah. what, I can, what I can say is that um, the absorption part of the definition is true in, in almost all of those um, definitions. It's the one thing that uh, it's the one thing that absolutely rings true. Um, whether you believe in the sort of primacy of the unconscious or not, it's 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 really attention, attentional mm. focus, and um, and so when I talk to clients, when I explain um, to clients, sometimes. Um, Sometimes all I have, all I say is, you know, hypnosis is is a way for us to use certain processes that allow you to really um, regain those resources, those internal resources, or um, access those resources in a way that you consciously cannot, yeah. uh, in a mm. way that you generally, um, you know, in your day to day life. Um, find yourself um, not able to access and but what I do as quickly as possible as soon as possible within the first session is really use certain exercises use certain experiences so that people immediately recognize this uh, this this mind-body connection yeah 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 and yeah. so taking it out of the uh, the realm of concept and, and really giving them an experience and and I think that was one of the things that I that I found uh, most helpful yeah 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 I, I really like that what what one of the things um one of the things that I was always really impressed with um, um when I first met you and and throughout the time that you studied with me and and throughout the you know the time that I've kept in contact with you over these over these years you know um um is that you, you know you 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 didn't ever just settle for something, and that is, you know, you you you, you, you know, I, I had to really earn my uh, earn my pay uh, uh, when I had you in class, you know, because you used to really ask some questions. You drew upon a lot of pre-existing knowledge, you know. You're a real student of these this field, you know, and and you were really aware of books and authors and had a lot of a lot of pre-existing influences. Um, um, you know, d tell me about some of those. Tell me, tell me who who are some of your major influences in these fields? What are some of the books and some of the authors that have taught you the most, and and the teachers that have been the most influential upon you? And and just kind of talk us through some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I, you know, full disclosure, I came into, um, your, your class having done a lot of pre-work you know yeah. having having done a lot of reading when i when i um prior to our commencing you know the the diploma course the long diploma course it was 10 months it was a long one um you know it was for me a couple years of quite intense reading including um course the the frogs into princes the linguistic stuff of uh of bandler and grinder you know that's a huge influence um when it comes to the linguistic side of things 
And then um, uh, Stephen Heller, uh, Monsters and Magical Sticks. Yeah. Um, which is which is still one of my one of my favorite uh, favorite hypnosis books because it really gets into goes down the proverbial rabbit hole um, and really kind of um, gets into the the experience of what it means to you know what it mean what hypnosis actually is you know or isn't. Um, uh, reality is plastic was a big one for me. Um, yeah, you know, Anthony Jackwin's work has been a huge influence and, 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 uh, our sort of mutual friends and these, these sort of teachers, um, that quite, quite honestly, a lot of these people were introduced to me by listening to this podcast, um, which I find myself <laughs> on. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a funny how these things happened. Um, James Tripp, huge influence, um, huge influence. Still, still is one of these these people that doesn't settle and is also quite like like me. Cannibalizes info, <laughs> information, uh, yeah, it, and and experiences and and filters it through um, yourself yourself, uh, your own, your own work, um, uh, has been a huge influence. Um, obviously, you know, I studied with you and your, your course was very comprehensive. So it, uh, it wasn't obviously just, just more the sort of cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy stuff. It was very, um, it was very complete. And, um, I respected that. I really still respect that a lot. Um, because you, presented a lot of options for people to really engage with. And, um, that's really, really important to me. Um, uh, another book, uh, well, trance work, the, the, um, yeah. Yapko's, uh, Yapko, yeah. Yapko's work was really, really. And I think that was, um, I think that was one of the textbooks that you had on that. Yes, yeah, it, it is. It still is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that book, that book still is one of my, one of my favorites, um, for, um, for, for understanding the, the therapeutic side of things and really understanding that. And, and, um, other, other books and other, uh, you know, provocative suggestions, um, or sorry, provocative hypnosis, um, Jorgen Rasmussen's um, yeah. his his work with his own you know brand of you know his own personality and his own um, uh, kind of flavor that that really is still a huge influence on on me um, and and certainly certainly still remains some one of those uh, inspirational kind of uh, people in in my life as as a uh, as a sort of virtual mentor in a way and, 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 and certainly, uh, a, uh, inspiration. Um, and then, and a whole, whole lot of other things that some, some, some of which don't really, uh, not from, um, hypnosis per se, but have, have really influenced me are things, uh, such as, uh, altered traits, um, Daniel Goldman, mm. 
the the sort of intersection between meditation, um, specifically sort of mindfulness meditation, clinical style meditation, um, and um, and hypnosis is fascinating, and it's one of these these parts of this intersection where I really find myself um, with a with a foot in both worlds, you know, firmly planted in both both worlds because I have a you know a long-standing meditation practice, um, which has only gotten more um, more focused and and deepened over the years, and um, and of course there's the expertise with with hypnosis and and, and NLP. Um, a lot of the sort of internal technologies, if you will, of of that uh, of that particular field. And um, while there are people that have some experience um, in both, you know, is suggesting mindfulness. Uh, Yapko's sort of um, his his work around sort of meditation, mindfulness, and and hypnosis. Um, it. In my experience, it doesn't go deeply enough. Um, so there's certain things such as Altered Traits. It's a wonderful, wonderful book um, to, to really get a handle on the, the science and the experience that that, that whole world can bring to um, hypnotherapy practitioners or hypnosis practitioners. So um, that's something yeah. that I really really uh big influence to me and still remains something that i'm exploring yeah yeah cool cool what you know th th throughout the time that you've been working in this field you know i i mean you know obviously i, fo I follow you I, I follow you and the things that you do online i see these amazing testimonials and you sharing some of these amazing experiences that you have um, um, in the clinic. Um, um, tell me, you know, th throughout the years, throughout the time that you've been studying this field, what, what, what's one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed? Yeah. So, uh, as you, as you know, you know, I'm, 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 I do share, uh, I do share testimonials with permission of clients and, um, and over the years, you know, working almost weekly now since, since, since I graduated, um, with clients, um, you know, seeing clients day in and day out, I see, and I'm and I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the air quotes at this moment, and, and I say miracles <laughs> because um, things that uh, you know in traditional psychology or uh, traditional psychotherapy are are seen to be sort of um, unbelievable, and I can and I can. I can totally understand the skepticism that comes from a, a lot of the uh, a lot of different fields, but you know I've seen um, the the I've seen you know as recently as as last week I saw you know um, quite quite severe trauma lifted and then gone um, from from a person that uh, couldn't couldn't think about a particular situation without, uh, without having, you know, real physical, um, effects of, you know, on a, a 10 out of 10 sort of, uh, emotional response to not being able to actually remember it at all. 
Um, and you know, basically, mm, yeah, you know, that's that's the stuff that I that really still for me is most impressive. Um, but as far as uh, you know, strange or, or um, impressive, I, there was a there was a young man uh, that came to see me last summer, and he had been in a uh, he'd been in a, a car accident um, several years before and um and actually a motorcycle accident and his arm was in a sling and they'd said that his nerve the nerve connecting his uh the top part of his arm and his hands were um were severed and that he would never been a, never be able to move again never be able to use have the use of that hand and um and we did a session um i didn't charge him for it it was not, uh, it was, you know, I, I, it was, it was because uh, I didn't know what to promise him and didn't promise him anything. Um, but I received a uh, email saying that, you know, he'd, he was starting to be able to move the fingers in, um, in that hand. And, and he really direct, directly wow. down to that, that, that particular session. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's that was a really, you know, powerful experience, and and I've and I've kept in um, I've kept in touch with him, and and this you know this this his condition has improved. He hasn't regained um, complete complete control of this. It's still an ongoing thing, but um, you know that's in one month. It was a it was a powerful it was a powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that that's immense. I love hearing stuff like that. I love hearing stuff like that. Um, uh, Ryan, if you if you go back to when you started out, you know, when you started out as a hypnotherapist or a hypnosis professional, knowing the stuff that you know now upon your journey that you've been on, um, is there anything that you'd do differently? If so, what is there any advice that the person that you are today would give that younger you that you'd kind of extend to our listeners? Mm. Absolutely. Um, so one thing, you know, is, is really, um, trusting in myself more, trusting in my own, in my own opinions, my own insights, my own, uh, learnings and being more fearless when it comes to, when it comes to applying them in, um, in not only clinical settings, but also applying the principles out in life and, and really, um, not waiting, not waiting so long. I probably wouldn't have waited so long to actually try some of the things, um, I, that, you know, that I kind of already knew how to do, but I didn't have the, um, didn't have the, courage i'll be honest to to do it you know i was still in thinking mode and still learning and figuring things out and um i think i would have taken more action and, and just gone out there and, and tried stuff um I, I would probably also learn do more probably learn more performance stuff um you know and, and apply that sooner you know i i i think um anthony jacklin's work has really helped me with that and and uh, really in the 
in the sort of realm of um, not performance, but really just performance, but really the confidence of really being able to just walk up to people and um, and do do the kind of stuff that he's he's famous for um, the street stuff, which um, yeah. which I've 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 overcome that, and uh, you know I spent <laughs> last summer with a with a friend of mine. Uh, um, Walking along the rum blast here in here in uh, here in Barcelona and sticking people to things, <laughs> <laughs> sticking and, people uh, to things, yeah, yes, and you know all the all the good fun that comes with that. Um, but I think I would absolutely the other thing that I would absolutely do is um, is really get a handle of what it means to run a viable business um, because you know and because. And, I think you were both aware that there is a there's a huge training industry out there, and there yeah. are certain um, certain practitioners that sort of promise, uh, you know, sort of six figure incomes, uh, you know, as soon as your 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 uh, your certificate is is printed. Yeah, and um, you know, the fact is is that. Um, the business acumen and the experience of running a successful hypnotherapy practice is something that I've had to pick up along the way. And, um, you know, it's as uh, we all make mistakes and cost of doing business and all that, but it's one of those things that I, I would really, you know, get mentoring in and really have very clear um clear goals and and you know it's something that um that i would absolutely recommend that yeah. people do yeah 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 absolutely um um ryan we're gonna we're we're gonna be rolling our sleeves up we're gonna be digging deep into um, um some of the stuff that you spoke about right at the top end of our call we're gonna be talking tumbuna uh, um, your ancestor stories are coming up for now though um, um, where can people go to learn more about you your work um, your approach to hypnosis and everything else sure so my my main website is um, is hypnotherapy in barcelona.com um, and that's my main website uh, for 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 my clinical work and um, and my and my second site uh, my second site is currently under under um, construction so if people want to uh, get in touch with me or, or check check my stuff out, it's um, it's Barcelona, it's hypnotherapyinbarcelona.com. Hypnotherapyinbarcelona.com. There will be a link um, um, to to that website, to Ryan's website, um, over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website and uh, to iTunes in the, the edition notes. And we will be right back with Ryan Jenkins in a few short moments' time. I really enjoyed that. More from Ryan shortly. Um, next up, we're going to have a look at our hypnosis in the news stories. And I'm referring to two stories this week that are a stark contrast to each other. Uh, the first is entitled Court Overturns Murder Conviction Over Hypnosis Issue. Um, um, so this is um, um, a local uh, a local story um, in the US uh, whereby a federal appeals court has thrown out, has quashed a, a 1994 attempted murder conviction. 
um, finding that an Indiana prosecutor concealed evidence by not disclosing that the state's sole eyewitness underwent hypnosis as a means of sharpening his memory before testifying at trial. So the Seventh U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Chicago announced this decision in the Max Sims case on uh, February the 1st this year, that's uh, 2019. Um, Sims was sentenced to 35 years after he was convicted in Elkhart County um, in the shooting of a security guard, uh, Shane Carey. And the prosecution's case relied on Carey identifying Sims as the shooter and had no physical evidence linking Sims to the attack. Um, Sims then appealed the conviction after learning um, um, back in 2012 that Carey had undergone hypnosis before the trial. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that a person who undergoes hypnosis could potentially fill memory gaps with fantasy or experience increased confidence in both accurate and inaccurate recollections. And, and, and you know, it's quite right that they that that that, that, that they have that standing um, and that ruling. Um, the Northern District of Indiana Court in South Bend denied Sims appeal, um, stating that Carey had described and identified Sims multiple times before undergoing hypnosis. The appeals court rejected that reasoning, ruling that the suppression of evidence violated pre-trial discovery rules. And um, I'll read you um, what was written. Um, Considering the overall weakness of the prosecution case without Carey, the importance of his testimony, the explosive strength of the concealed hypnosis evidence and the relatively mild impeachment of Carey that the defence managed at trial, um, 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 relief is required. And this is what the written order said. The prosecutor who failed to disclose the hypnosis, Charles Wicks, uh, has declined to comment on the case. Um, but but this is this is the reality and the reason you know hypnosis is no longer used in in um, um, in modern cases. Um, um, it's certainly not used as um, um, eyewitness to support eyewitness testimony, um, mainly because you know memory is reconstructive. Hypnosis does not guarantee truth or veracity, um, and hypnosis actually increases the chances of individuals believing in um, a reconstructed memory. You know you know whether that is false or true. And the bottom line is that, you know, backdated cases are being thrown out of court today and convictions upturned and you know, overturned because of hypnosis um, um, and its fallibility and it being used within eyewitness testimony. Um, and it's a great shame. The lesson for today is that hypnosis should not be used this way and that all hypnosis professionals need to desist believing that hypnosis is effective at recovering memory in, in any kind of a wholly factual or objective fashion. Um, and let me just repeat that U.S. Supreme Court ruling, you know, um, and that is that, that, that a person who undergoes hypnosis could potentially fill memory gaps with fantasy or experience increased confidence in both accurate and inaccurate recollections. Um, um, and, and it's really valuable for us to know and be aware of that. So on to our second story of the day, um, um, which is which is which is like I said earlier, uh, a stark contrast to this first one, and that is that uh, Brian McFadden had to be professionally hypnotised for Dancing on Ice performance. Yes, indeed, 
former Westlife singer Brian McFadden had to be professionally hypnotised for his stint on uh, Dancing on Ice, a TV show, a hit TV show, uh, very popular here uh, in the UK. The the, the 38-year-old had to get professional help to tackle his nerves and build up his confidence uh, ahead of his reality show debut. Uh, and and um, um, he went to clinical hypnotist Steve Maudsley of Ribble Hypnotherapy. So the, the, the Irish Daily Star reports anyway. And Maudsley said, uh, so that the, 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 the clinical hypnotist uh, um, said, I was very privileged last week when Brian McFadden came to me for help for nerves and confidence while dancing on ice. After this week's wonderful performance, I think I may have helped. And now that's... That's great news for Stephen Maudsley, great news for hypnotherapy. And I really don't want to take the shine off things for, for, for them and for us in general. But, there's a big but, the article goes on to say, Brian, who is paired with dancer Alex Murphy, joked this week about being drunk for his performance. Presenter Holly Willoughby said, You are the cutest, if not most exhausted gingerbread man I've ever seen. And panting Brian joked, I should have done it sober. So there you have it. Uh, Forget hypnosis. Just drink a lot in order to control performance anxiety. Uh, Thank you for that, Brian McFadden. There is a link uh, to all of these uh, uh, articles uh, that featured in the media recently over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. So next up, we have this week's professional discussion, and I welcome back Ryan Jenkins. Um, we learned a bit about Ryan and his background in the previous segment. Um, um, and, 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 you know, when, when him and I were discussing the show and setting things up, I, I asked him to hold off a little bit with that stuff because I wanted to dive deeper into it during this second part. Um, Ryan's influenced greatly by his background and um, um, he, he's discovered a lot of parallels in the way that the tribe of Papua New Guinea that his mother had discovered and studied dealt with both mental and physical issues um, and found the parallels to that of modern hypnotherapy um, um, that, 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 that you know, he, he latterly learned. So he, he talks about that and he explains it here. Um, and, and, it's, and it's fascinating stuff. I think you'll enjoy this. Um, so here we go. Uh, this, here is this week's professional discussion with Ryan Jenkins. Enjoy. So I'm back and joined uh, uh, with me this week. Uh, uh, this week's guest is Ryan Jenkins. Uh, we've been learning a little bit about Ryan uh, in the first part of today's show. Um, um, uh, Ryan's going to be coming and speaking at the UK Hypnosis Convention this year. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It, it. it sort of represents something quite different, I think, from from the sort of typical types of presentations that, that you see and and engage with at, at conventions and conferences. Um, um, I, I had to ask Ryan beforehand to make sure I was spelling it correctly, uh, that I was pronouncing it correctly. But the title of Ryan's presentation is going to be Tumbuna Stories. Um, 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 Ryan, am I pronouncing it correctly? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Great. So, so tell us, tell us, what does that mean? What does that, what does that represent? What does it stand for? So, as I as I said, you know, I was born and, and raised in in Papua New Guinea, and um, and my my mother was an anthropologist, quite well known anthropologist that uh, that worked for worked for the Papua New Guinean government, and um, in 1981, she 
discovered or she was part of a, a group that discovered a um, uh, a lost tribe, a uh, indigenous tribe, a wow. um, pre-industrial sort of tribe that was unknown um, and hidden out in deep in the jungle. And um, and they they were um, they were basically um, they were basically undiscovered until until 1981. And so. My mother went in and began working and studying these people. And, and I and my brother, my older brother um, and my father spent a lot of time in, in that community and, and witnessed what would be something that's quite unique in, in the world, um, which is a Papua New Guinean indigenous tribe, quite different from the sort of the the indigenous tribes of of Africa and and and, uh, and the Amazon um, in many different ways and one characteristic of um, Papua New Guinea in general but specifically this tribe is is that um, there is the use of stories very particular type of stories that are told in a very particular type of way um, and these are Tumbuna stories, and Tumbuna means ancestor. So these are types of stories that are traditionally told in order to affect healing. Right, right. And, um, and these are told in specific contexts um, and different ways. There's many different ways that they do it. And, and it's not just this tribe. It's all over the country it's still to this day is used and, um, and when we talk about healing are we talking are we talking exclusively kind of physical physical healing or are we talking sort of psychological healing whatever whatever that may be um um, um, um in, in 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 that circumstance in that situation sure so um in papua new guinea but specifically this tribe um the tumbuna stories are used for healing psychological or spiritual conditions as well um, as physical issues, physical issues. And I've seen, for example, um, people use these particular techniques to uh, heal skin conditions and very much in the same way that uh, a person might heal, uh, actually healing psoriasis uh, or um, the kinds of conditions that are treated with clinical hypnotherapy um, in, in a modern modern context but also right. those, wow yeah and I've seen it with my you know I've seen it with my with my very eyes and and in, it's an interesting thing that um, that they also use it for a wide variety of other applications as well and so one of the applications that they use is um, psychological healing for things such as um forgiveness right practices yeah um and and so you know papua new guinea is one of the most tribal countries in the world it's one sixth of the world's languages it's um it's 680 different languages and uh, people it's a wide variety of cultures 
you know, cohabitating. Um, and so, as you might imagine, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, tribal warfare, tribal violence. And, um, and so one of the ways that um, this, this tribal violence is um, healed, if you want to use that term, or, or uh, kind of cured or helped is by using Tumbuna stories in, um, in almost a sort of uh, way that sort of mediates between the ancestors and, um, and individuals. Um, yeah. and, and another way that's used is, for example, to heal, um, heal the physical effects of things such as malaria. Right. So, right. Wow. Now, I had malaria six times when I was a uh, when I was a child. Um, Did you? Yeah, I I you know I was I was I was sick quite a lot um, being out there in the jungle, even with all of the um, the mosquito nets and and my mom always made sure I had lots of you know uh, traditional medicine. She was a doctor. She was a, a medical doctor, um, but as well as, you know, a medical anthropologist. Um, but, you know, she was very open to learning about these traditional ways of working. And, and so, you know, I, a couple of years ago, um, was watching a documentary. Uh, there were several doc documentaries made about my mother's work. Um, one is a National Geographic documentary, rare National Geographic documentary. Um, and uh, another one is for the Australian Broadcasting um, Corporation. And a couple other, BBC, there was a BBC one as well. And, um, and in this, my mother was speaking to one of the the tribesmen about Tumbuna stories. And she was asking very pressing questions. Um, and it dawned on me at that moment that what I had witnessed was a form of hypnotherapy in a very, very particular way because mm. it was very clear that these stories were delivered in a hypnotic context, in a, in a state of high suggestibility, um, using certain, um, certain ways of presenting it and presenting that language and presenting that, uh, the suggestions or information or ways of having people project onto certain stories that allowed people to have this, this healing. And of course it didn't always work. Um, but the fact is, is that quite different from the people of the Amazonian region, where they have lots of plant medicine and they know, you know, lots of cures and um, ways of sort of turning plants into medicine, the, the Hagahai people specifically didn't have any of that. There, they had uh, one plant, which was a kind of uh, stinging nettles, and and they'd, so they right. would kind of they would if you had a headache, they'd kind of beat you with that until you had <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, your headache disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Um, it works. 
<laughs> interestingly <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, apart from that, you know, they would use hypnosis. They would use what I would I would term hypnosis or what I would term hypnotic um, kind of treatments. And it's a very interesting thing that this recognition that they were doing this hit me like a download. It, it was it was almost immediately, and I had this flood of memories, um, flood of uh, um, recognition of certain experiences. And, and then I talked to my brother, uh, my older brother, who, uh, who works in the, in the Pacific as in, in, in the field of conservation. Um, and he said very interesting things. And he has a, a lot of uh, very clear memories. And um, he's someone else who, who I will be consulting um, quite extensively, extensively on, um, you know, in, in my lead up to the talk. Um, and, uh, you know, he basically told me about a whole raft of other applications that is currently used in Papua New Guinea for, um, for these types of, uh, stories, including, um, conservation and, and including like land conservation and keeping people away from certain areas by, uh, by telling them, you know, very specific types of stories about uh, about you know spirits and um, and all the rest of it. Now, I, you may not be aware of this, but um, Gregory Bateson, who was you know the the person that introduced Richard Bandler to um, Milton Erickson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, was a huge, you know, it was studied uh, Papua New Guinean um, trance work in this particular. Mm. But a lot of this stuff goes directly, ties directly into that. And, um, and so that also became very apparent to me that there is a, there is a direct line between the Papua New Guinean Tubuna stories and the way indirect, um, indirect sort of, storytelling is 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 used even in our modern um in our modern hypnotherapy trainings yeah so, yeah yeah because i, I you know you, you you've spoken about some of the parallels you know that the, the parallels and, and i know that that with some of the stuff that you've written that that, that that i've seen um i'm in preparation for the for the for the convention for example um i'm you you, you know you, you mentioned some parallels that are going to be drawn between some some of the modern clinical approaches um, um, of your experience as as a hypnotherapy practitioner and as a change worker and these kind of tr more traditional indigenous methods and and my my imagination kind of ran wild with me a little bit and I was kind of thinking well you know how how and where and and, and what are the parallels could you could you could you kind of make make obvious um, um, um a couple of examples. Sure. So, so one of those, um, one of those is really is is really that uh, the kind of things that would be, you know, um, like for example, skin conditions. Um, dealing with skin conditions, which is which is as you might imagine, out there in the in the yeah. uh, jungle, um, people wear um, what is called tanget, which is uh, Essentially, it's essentially a grass grass uh, skirts or grass uh, sort of coverings, um, and that's it. Yeah, uh, and that and that literally is it. And and they um they didn't have soap until my mom arrived, so um, a lot of skin 
disorders and skin diseases uh, were very prevalent and and so one of the things that they would do would would um, would be using types of storytelling to um, to affect that kind of change so specifically what they would do um, would be well one of the things yeah is you know there is a cause there is a there is a a cause of your it's assumed that there is a cause of your ailment um, and one of the causes may be um, ancestors and so you've you've, you've basically uh, enraged right. one of your ancestors right and you need to appease the ancestors or or uh, one of the forest spirits it's one of the one or one of the other and you, first, so you have to figure out what is what is the what is the cause of this um, what is the cause of this ailment? And then yeah. one of the things is that um, you know the and and it wouldn't be considered a shaman particularly, but it is an elder, um, and um, this this person will have them in a circle and will be telling them stories. And we'll be telling them very particular stories about uh, about either skin conditions or about um, about sort of uh, the forest and perhaps the time and place where they had this sort of flare up, you know, and having them sort of recognize where they were and um, and. In that, the person is projecting their their symptoms onto an entity. Right. Um, that entity maybe you know you you enrage the uh, the dead the dead uh, sister of your one of your in laws, um, and uh, and you need to do something to appease that. And yeah. so. Um, one of the things that will happen is they find that out and then they go do something. So typically it would mean some sort of, uh, mean the killing of a pig. Yeah. Um, so you've got uh, anything, they'll do anything to, uh, for a feast. So you've got to get, get out into the jungle and find, uh, find a pig to eat and then, and then, or you need to appease by giving something to the line of the other uh, the person, and, and that would alleviate the symptoms. So there are tasking, kind of specific tasks that people do as well. Um, yeah. And and so this is one of the things, one of the things. But you know that kind of what we would say trance work, or the and I use this in a very particular way because our concept of of entrancement and being entranced, um, you know. It's a, it's a, it's such a funny thing. Um, uh, the Hagai people, their traditional dance—they have two dances, traditionally, um, and one of those dances is—it's uh, actually a firewalk. It's they put themselves into a hypnotic trance, mm. and um, and they, unlike you know the typical thing that you might see at a Tony Robbins event, well, where people uh, kind of you know, lightly tiptoe quickly off uh, off of a uh, you know this these a uh, bed of uh, prepared hot coals. Um, you know, singing uh, saying uh, cool moss to themselves. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inwardly, um, these people dance on red hot stones that have been um, prepared for hours in a in a in an underground oven. So they take out these hot stones and they literally bounce up and down on these things. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that that that's a different level firewall. It's a totally different level. Totally different level. And they are singing and dancing and they're absolutely in an ecstatic. Uh, um, state they've been placed yeah. into and there is an induction that happens before where they get them into a cir circle and one person leads them through a particular uh, particular kind of process um, and prepares them for this for this particular thing um, so yeah it has all the hallmarks of um, all the hallmarks of what we would call you know induction and deep deepeners to an extent but certainly, uh, you know, um, uh, absorption in a particular mindset. And yeah, reality. yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, with with, with that, um, that's that, that's what I was also quite interested in. You know, we're, we're, the, the the parallel that's being drawn between hypnosis and 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 what's going on here, um, um, the, the the state of mind, the mindset that they're engaging in. Do they have a term for it that that that, that sort of translates? Um, in order for you to make that connection, or is it is it something that you've you've seen shared qualities in, um, 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 and, and 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 have kind of made that connection? Well, that's 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 a very very good question, and you know um, the the term tumbuna stories is a catch all phrase for the ancestor kind of worship or the kind of work that happens in Papua New Guinea, and that's pre Christian. Um, pre uh, sort of colonization, because Papua New Guinea was was a um, was a Commonwealth, was part of the was a, under the uh, regis of the of the Commonwealth um, up until seventy four. Um, so it was in uh, independent country nineteen seventy four, and a lot of the a lot of the traditional culture was um hidden and um so you know the terms the specific terms the um the sort of technical language if you will um that's a lot of that stuff uh i'm not privy to because you know but but my mother has um had had a lot of this stuff written down and we're currently looking through uh, looking through the files and looking through a lot of the research that she does in order to in order to be able to um, to sort of flesh that out at uh, when we when we do that um, it's taking some quite some investigation which is really fascinating um, but yeah, the qualities are there the qualities are there and it's this is one of those things that I immediately recognize is that that absorption of focus that um, that ability to be singularly directed on a particular experience to the exclusion of everything else um 
and uh, yeah I, i'm guessing as well that there's that there's a component of there's a component of of related um expectation and components of of belief that's invested in this approach because absolutely. you know they've been kind of raised with it and and therefore you know perceive it as powerful in the same way that you know within within our own cultures um and western western cultures for example um um there's there's there's, there's a perceived degree of power in hypnosis um um because of because of, well, almost because of myth and mythology, you know. Um, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's such, it's such, a, it's, it's, it is a fascinating thing, and and um, you know, I as a child wa watched this stuff happening, and it was so, it was so normal for me that um, I was like, yeah, it's just, it's just them doing what they do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, 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 I wanna I wanna you know read my uh, read my Batman comics and uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing, um, but um, now with hindsight I, I recognize sort of what what was going on. Um, expectation is a huge part of it, and um, you know also their their culture I have to say is is very much. In one way, connected to an experience, uh, specifically the Hagahai culture, an experience of uh, primacy. So, you know, um, when my mother arrived, I think the the expectancy, the life expectancy, was around thirty years. Right. Really. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, people didn't know their grandparents. Um, the people didn't. You know, people died very early. Um, most of my friends growing up had kids and were like men by the time they were sixteen. You know, it was it was yeah. um, it was uh, quite a quite a quite a thing, and, and physically so you can you can you can imagine. Yeah, so okay. They're very. Um, it was very very in the moment, so to speak, um, and so that primacy of experience and this sort of. Um, has two sides to it because it's very hypnotic when people are focused they're really focused uh, they're very very present and um, when people speak they speak with um, they speak with the full force of their values and and um, their experience and everything comes online and people hold you to your word, you know, and this is one of the reasons why um, people are are very quick to love and quick to anger. You know, it's, um, it's very... Right, yeah, it's like a, a, a passionate society. Very passionate and, and you know, I, I, these particular terms such as sort of archaic or magic mythic you know, which come from certain, yeah. um, certain psychological developmental styles, um, yeah. you know, sort of Robert Keegan's work and, um, you know, that, uh, that is really important to understand this because I think especially in our field, um, in, and this is perhaps something that I might touch upon some point during the, during the talk is, you know, we have this idea of, um, certainly some, types of practitioners have this idea of sort of returning back to nature, re returning back to some sort of um, pre-archaic society and how um, in, in some way 
uh, people were all sort of peace and love and, um, you know, things were much more, I would let's say much less violent, much less um, primal in that way. And right, yeah. That's that's a myth. That's the myth of the the noble savage, um, which which you know I can I can honestly tell you you know you can thoroughly debunk that because you know there was just as much uh, well I wouldn't say just as much but it certainly lots and lots of uh, murder and and <laughs> rape and uh, and all kinds of tomfoolery you know that occurred in that society um, as well yeah so. Um, but on the other hand, they had a concept of time that was totally different from uh, from Western concepts. So you could you would arrive there flying in on a helicopter, and uh, you know the helicopter would leave because it was uh, around two weeks walk through the jungle. So you'd have to take a hel helicopter, and uh, <laughs> and you'd rock up and. And then, you know, in my case, I was a young child, so my mom would kind of hand me to the tribe, you know, and, and she would run off and I would be I would be basically um, with them. And, yeah. you know, when I got older, I recognized something very interesting is that there is there is a kind of group uh, experience of time that is very, very, very different from our Western conception of what time is and their perception you know, as a whole of what time is and, um, and it's very much, it's very much non-linear, very much, um, around, of course, the rise and the, the sunrise and sunset, but it's their experience of time is much, much deeper and much more present in a very way, which actually makes hypnosis and, the hypno hypnotic aspects of uh, of the kind of work kind of very very present you yeah. know, it's like walking into uh, <laughs> walking into a a you know if there was such a thing as a hypnotic state you know flying in to that place was was it you know yeah 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 i bet i bet i bet now you know I... See, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I'm fascinated in this, and I'm looking forward to to, to you discussing the, the the parallels in in more detail and 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 the kind of context of, of lots of what's going on there, um, and and lots of um, um, one of the things that I'm really interested in, um, because you know I, I've never really spoken to you about this before, I never really sort of got 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 in in depth sort of understanding or insight about this before and that is you know how is this how has this influenced who and how you are as a therapist today right absolutely so you know i i recognize something very very quickly and is that um a lot of sort of what we call presenting issues um even if they're clinical, clinically sort of in the DSM as a specific, specific uh, kind of um, disorder or uh, situ, you know, psychological um, ticket that's put on it, um, yeah, really come down to, um, and, and I'm going to use this phrase, uh, 
this term reality tunnel, um, which, you know, I take from uh, Robert Anton Wilson, the famous, uh, the author, a cipher, sort of a author that wrote on uh, a lot of different topics, but um, yeah. And it's something that I learned from James Tripp as well, you know, that um, particular focus, particular ways of um, kind of experiencing life and trances, if you will. And this is what I mean by trance. Trance is really, in my experience, rather than a hypnotic trance, it's really um, a reality tunnel. And so what I recognized was that a lot of those, a lot of those, those, um, let's say, conditions or disorders or psychological things such as, um, such as, you know, war-like behavior between two families in, in, in a tribe or, or, or you know, um, long-standing disagreements. Those are really reality tunnels that have a particular structure and and have a have a particular way of showing up. So when I go into the therapy room, um, even if I'm using and you know very evidence-based procedures, which which yeah. I, I I do tend to do, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you've um, had good training. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, and and that is a big is really important to me. So for me, tying that to, to those two together is really recognizing that this is a universal experience that human beings have had um and continue to have uh and it has become much more complex and complicated and in a very very real way implies a lot more when we're when we're dealing with sort of modern people with um you know our our variety of issues and so the two ways i really work with people is really being able to step out of that um, sort of experience by deconstructing it into its subjective um, components, you know, and really recognizing that it's it's an illusion that the mind is being is creating moment by moment, um, you know, waking up, if you will, from from this particular uh, experience, and and um, in a very real way for a lot of people, that's that's all it takes. It's it's just recognizing. Wow, you know, I've been I've been making certain things up, uh, and so when it comes to, for example, um, the the trance of depression, this particular thing, um, you know, there are certain thinking styles and cognitive um, kinds of rumination that tend to occur, that tend to put people in that particular. Um, that particular tunnel and sort of mind reading and all of the things that, you know, I was introduced on, on your course and, and the whole uh, field of cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy and cognitive behavioral therapy and huge influence on me um, and my work and the work of Albert Ellis and, and all of that is, you know, those are ways of stepping out of those trances. And then, um, right. Yeah, that makes sense. And then for me, also the, the the other thing is really creating, if if useful, um, and often is, you know, is creating better, you know, with inverted commas or more functional um, tunnel for people. So building in the and then building in the ability to toggle between the two is something that I, I really, you know, I really love 
being able to do with clients, you know, um, being able to step out of, to have these aha moments, to allow insight into the nature of experience itself as it sort of shows up, which is kind of what meditation points to. It's deconstructing a person's um, uh, experience of, of, of a condition or a situation psychologically, but also life itself and, and you know, the experience of, of, a, of, a, of a wonderful day on the beach or you want to be able to enjoy those things. And, and so yeah, that particular trance. And so my focus is really um, connecting people really to this essential, like an essential trance, if you will, this well-being, which I think is, is really, um, and I want to say innate in a way. Um, it's certainly, uh, certainly part of our, uh, the potential is there for people to have a, have, you know, a very clear mind and focus, focus on their, their values and things that are really important to them, to them free from destructive trances. And, um, and then for me, the, the evidence-based stuff is really making sure that I can, you know, wire that in, so to speak, neurologically and, and, you know, understanding how that plays into things such as Hebb's law and, um, you know, a lot of the, the neurology side of things, which I'm not a neurologist, but you know, I'm, I had certainly something that's a very, uh, big, big field of study for me, you know, and I'm working with, um, a, uh, a, a bio, um, a neurofeedback center here and we're doing lots of testing and we were using EEG machines and, and, um, you know, it's something that very, very, um, very, very interested in as well. So it's sort of this, these two worlds that I kind of step, you know, get my feet in, uh, in both worlds. Um, and yeah. that's kind of how I, how I, how I conceive it for myself. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. I love that. And, and, you know, I could, I, I could just carry on asking you stuff about this um, um, um but we would end up with a with a three four hour version of the podcast um, um, um plus you know i'm um, um, people that want to want to really sort of delve deep um with you on this subject will get the chance to come and see you in um, um in november uh, uh you know here in the uk um which which is something i'm really excited about it's one of the presentations that i am i'm you know 100 gonna make sure that i'm sitting in um and and absorbing and i can't wait no, um, um so so for people tuning in they want to learn more about you um, um your work it's hypnotherapy in barcelona.com yes that's 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 my main uh, that's my main website and and um and i'm on i'm on uh on facebook as well if you want to come yeah. uh, you know connect with me there and and also uh instagram i'm i'm you know publishing uh you know content there sort of uh musings and interesting sort of ways that i ways that i'm interacting with people and um sort of my 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 takes on certain things through as many different sort of uh social media yeah um ways that i as i can 
Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And so really all, all that is left for me to say, you know, Ryan, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, thank you for so much for coming on the show and thank you so much for, for sharing so readily and so generously um, um, your thoughts, your experiences and, and your knowledge. I, I, I love it. I love it. It's been so good having you on the show. Thank you so much, Adam. It's been, it's been, it's been fun for me too. I really enjoyed that. Um, it was lovely speaking to Ryan. He's a great guy. Uh, there are links to Ryan's website over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website and in the episode notes at iTunes. Um, so he brings me, that brings me on nicely to our evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week. And the fact is this. It's a, it, it, it's a different one. Um, um, and that is that hypnotically induced out-of-body experiences offer a useful way of exploring this phenomena. Yeah, so, so you know, something different for you today indeed. Um, um, so a paper from this, this year um, um, in the International Journal um, 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 in, entitled The Neurophenomenology of Out-of-Body Experiences Induced by Hypnotic Suggestions. Um, so inducing out-of-body experiences um, in hypnosis, using hypnosis, offers um, an almost unique opportunity to, to investigate them under controlled conditions. So out-of-body experiences were induced as an imaginative task in, in a resting condition or in hypnosis, so, so whilst relaxing or, or, or whilst hypnotised. Um, and uh, a 32-channel EEG uh, was recording uh, brain activity and, and the spectral power and imaginary coherence of, of different frequency bands within the, the, the EEG that was monitoring the brain. And a couple of um, electrodes were, were calculated. Now, at the end of each session, the phenomenology of consciousness inventory was administered. Um, um, so something that's known as the PCI, the phenomenology of consciousness inventory, was administered to assess the phenomenological aspects of the subject's experience. Now, there were significantly higher scores in all sub-dimensions of the phenomenology of consciousness inventory um, um, were reported in the hypnosis group. Um, so, so what, what that's saying basically is that the results suggest, you know, the results therefore suggest that hypnotically induced out-of-body experiences offer a useful experimental model of spontaneous out-of-body experiences, such as those experienced during during near-death experiences. Um, um, and 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 it's so cool. I I love reading the the evidence that that whereby hypnosis is being used to to replicate real life phenomena in order that we can we, we can attempt to understand it. You know, it becomes a very a very useful working model for us. Um, there are links to this particular research paper um, 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 that's that's included on this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. If you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you can find masses of memes relating to a variety variety of study uh, studies whereby hypnosis has been examined. 
Um, and that's it for this week's 108th edition. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I do have many more exciting guests that I'll be welcoming to uh, Hypnosis Weekly uh, in coming weeks and coming editions. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and, of course, uh, remaining friends. Next time out, we're going to be going in a very different direction altogether. I'm going to be speaking to Mihail Szyzlakowski, uh, uh, hailing from Poland. And we're going to be speaking um, about lucid dreaming and hypnosis. Um, um, you know, uh, and, and that's something that, that, that usually I refer to as utter bunkum quackery. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting discussion for sure. <coughs> All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. And I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions. So do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website. I'll make sure they get addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. Uh, my thanks again go to my good buddy, Ryan Jenkins. My thanks to you, as always, for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. <laughs>